Hello and welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. Today, myself and Paul Hoppy are taking your questions on this special feedback episode. We're talking about colonialism. We're talking about what it's like to grow up in a literal version of Bossing Say. And we're actually asking the question, what would happen if you had an insurance adjuster in a world with superheroes? All this and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm joined by regular co-host and guest, Mr. Paul Hoppy. Paul, how are we doing today? How are we feeling about this topic? Uh, what topic? Oh, like people saying <laughs> things? I mean, I say I don't really like conversations and stuff, but I do. Um, and I really appreciate a lot of the feedback that we've gotten over time, um, especially when people say I might have noticed something that someone else might not have. But uh... I, I was going to say, you and I are both narcissistic enough that we like feedback. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it also, it's like, oh, people are listening. Like, I, I early yeah. on especially, like, I basically I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to get on Skype and have a nice chat with Matthew. And, like, I'll have Audacity on, usually. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there might, <laughs> there there like, might have been okay. one time. One time. Oh, hit record. Oh, the red <laughs> button. But, uh, yeah, it, it is nice being like, oh, you know, people are listening and appreciating or not appreciating or you know people pointing something out that uh we didn't think of or didn't mention every time i listen Mm -hmm. to an episode i'm like oh i should have mentioned that i should have mentioned la confidential we're talking about like killing and not killing or oh yeah that would be such a good point for that one (laughs) but we might not have managed to keep it under two hours but so yeah I'm, i'm really um looking forward to reading or hearing all of these and um you know having little conversational vignettes uh in response yeah. to them yeah I, I think i totally feel the same way i love seeing the feedback both because it's, it's just great to know that we're helping to inspire these conversations but also because I, I mean to me it's such a yeah it's a fun narcissistic thing to be sure like i love that people enjoy what we're doing here but i just i love the idea that we're putting ideas out there and other people responding and bouncing off ideas and a lot of times pointing out things that i totally missed there's one email in particular we're going to start with that is really about something where i was just like oh yeah that was a um total thing i i i missed and adds so much to the conversation and it just gives me hope and also i'm glad folks are writing in and i want you to keep doing so but also it just gives me kind of happy feelings thinking about what are the conversations that you're having with your own your own communities and friends we recently saw on twitter um that the star wars podcast the other one that i do that paul's a frequent part of as well that there's a, a number of folks in Germany who are mm. tweeting in German to each other about this podcast. Um, so it just, it just makes me so happy to hear all that. Yeah, I especially enjoy that one because I, I watched uh, half of the Clone Wars in German. So it was yes. it was fun seeing some feedback in German. And I think I even <laughs> uh, managed to, to crank out a response that hopefully was coherent in, in German. Yeah. Uh, my Google Translator told me it was. Oh, so you know, Excellent. It must <laughs> be good. Then. I have to say well, so let's dive into the feedback. And the first one comes from uh, listener Kamal Moisey. I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, know that if I'm not, please understand you're in very good company. Uh, but obviously, if I'm, I'm getting that name wrong, please let me know. Uh, but Kamal wrote in to us about the TV show of Invincible, which, Paul, I know you haven't seen yet, but uh, you said you're not going to probably watch anytime soon, so you're okay being spoiled. And with all these, we're going to be kind of talking about a number of different topics. So if you haven't seen something, feel free to skip ahead. I'm actually going to try and put into the show notes, like, we start talking about this topic at minute seven, and we stop at minute 15 or whatever it is. So if you haven't watched Invincible and you're still planning to, feel free to skip ahead, because we're going to get pretty far into the details. 
But for those who either have seen it or who just don't care, the, the core of the show is about a person named Omni-Man, who we find out comes from a planet called Viltrum, who wants to conquer Earth. And I said during our, feed, during our episode about it that one of the things I thought made the show a little weaker than I wanted it to be was that we never really got much of a motivation beyond just we think we're the best and we want to conquer everybody. And, you know, I talked about how I love good villains. I love villains who have a strong motivation and that this felt a little, you know, kind of Chancellor Palpatine, ultimate power, mwahaha, mustache. And word. this dude does have a mustache, right? He does. Yeah, so he does. I, 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 mean, and, yeah, I can see where he <laughs> there, There's there. definite twirling possibilities. And he's voiced by J. Jones, uh, not oh, J. Jones, yeah. Jameson. Simmons um, or? Oh, yes. Uh, C.B. Simmons, something like that. Um, I should know it, but oh, J.K. Simmons, who is the voice of, among other things, um, who, no, it was the voice, who played J. Jonah Jameson in a version of the Star- Spider-Man right. movies. So, yeah, anyway, long tangent. But the point is what Kamal pointed out to me was, um, you know, he just, uh, we had a long email back and forth, and so I'm not going to read all of his emails, but he started out by saying, like, what I was missing was colonialism, mm. that the word is just they're colonizers, and that that's what... And as he pointed out, and I think, and rightly so, that, you know, that that's what white European folks or, or other folks in, as he pointed out, like in our own world, that's what white European folks did. And that it would make sense that for other worlds, like, and that colonialism could sometimes just be boring. Uh, he, he actually said, Paul, that he thought that you would have gone right to that word. And so clearly it's more my, my blindness, well, which, you know, may well perhaps, be true. Perhaps. Uh, and yeah, per, and, and what he said was, though, in, in, as we went back and forth, he wrote, I'll admit that narratively colonizers supremacist, racist, etc., is boring. But that's because it is. And maybe it's my bias as a black male living in the U.S. with zero faith in humanity. But I find that the most well-meaning allies, no offense, none taken, fall into the trap of wanting it to make sense. Quote, how could you assumed racist person think X about an entire group of people? And then, uh, end quote. And then he says, and yes, I see the irony in defining all racists by a singular trait, but I, I think it's legit. And then he keeps going, but that's it. It's boring and illogical. Omni-Man tells Mark, we decided that we should be the only civilization in the galaxy. They can be a part of us or die. All of your questions, my questions that I asked in the episode, about narrative are lampshaded by, we decided. How are U.S. sports teams world champions in a sport no one else plays? (laughs) Why do, quote-unquote, we choose the current society we have when we would be better off being more equitable at the cost of like 100 people giving up 5% of their wealth? Uh, quote, because fuck them. I'm better. I deserve it. I.e. that that's the supremacist attitude. It's all ethically wrong and narratively boring. But like you mentioned in the cast, Invincible, the show, does a great job of using the cultural shorthand we have to save time on basic world building and focus on the story they want to tell. We know what colonizers are. We also know what the basic superhero tropes are. And overall, I think that led to a great tight first season with plenty of room to explore new topics and possibly elaborate on these ones in future seasons. So, uh, Kamal, thank you so much. I think you are, there's a great point you're making here about the colonizers that I, I said in our emails back and forth that I uh, very much agreed with, that I missed. But, but Paul, I wanted us to kind of get into more of a conversation of it because I think it raises both kind of questions about what can be our blind spots as viewers, but also just this question of how do you balance kind of narrative interest in storytelling with the fact that if you're trying to tell stuff about, you know, that reflects the evil in our own world, Evil is boring sometimes, especially when it's sometimes racism, supremacy. Like, it's not because there's some inner motivation or some... It's just because people are supremacists. Yeah, it is. Um, as a 
you know, white looking, male looking person living in the US with zero faith in humanity. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I will say that while I, I have not been subject to a lot of the things that a lot of people um, in this country and all over the world are subjected to, um, I, I see it <laughs> and, right. and um, just it, it, it is boring. Like looking at the news and seeing, you know, somebody tell people in another country, like, don't come or what was the exact right. phrase? But like, like, just don't come like that. The the lack of caring that that people show to others and the immense power that is wielded by so few and then sort of distributed amongst classes of people in like varying degrees and varying layers to kind of oppress other classes of people who then can in turn class other uh, oppress other classes of people like while colonizing the whole world and not calling it colonization because it's like oh well you know uh we're just this country we just have a military base there and a military base there and like yeah. Or we just get their entire population to start dressing the way we do and watching our shows and eating our yeah, food. Yeah, buying our jeans. But that's not colonialism, co- so we didn't conquer Exactly, that. exactly. And, you know, the literal conquering, like, it's... And it's it's even, it's like, there's... There's, um... There's often this, um... This, like, justification to oneself, right? Of, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we're doing it for their own good because the government there is oppressing the people. So we're going to overthrow that and, you know, right. and change it. And I think that's a very powerful lie because a lot of times the government there probably is awful and oppressive and probably is oppressing a lot of the people. But it's not getting replaced by a non-oppressive government. That's just not what's happening, right? right? And there is this... Um, very selfish, just mining of resources. But usually there's this combination of like, well, we're the best and we want them to be able to be part of the best. And I think, you know, I think that was the idea behind the Roman Empire, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's very clearly the idea behind the American Empire. And it sounds like in this show, that's, um, you know, this alien empire, I guess, that's like what they're doing as well. And, you know, very rarely you'll get someone like, you know, Leopold II of, of Belgium, who committed just just unthinkable atrocities that, yes, there was um, immediate gain, right, in terms of right. natural resources, but there was also just a level of cruelty that, you know, there couldn't possibly have been a sense like, oh, we're actually helping these people. But, like, that's an yeah. outline. I was just watching Chomsky talk, uh, have a uh, argument with uh, Buckley, I think, on uh, some YouTube video that, for some reason, YouTube suggested. <laughs> I can't imagine why, but <laughs> Noam Chomsky and William F. Buckley, I assume, is who correct, you're correct. Um, and you know, th- and this was this ended up being an example, which was like the second time today somebody brought up King Leopold, and the first time somebody was like, "We should be saying that instead of like Hitler all the time," and like it's right. true, you know. But like, just for anyone who doesn't know, King Leopold was the the ruler of Belgium in the late 19th century when Belgium was the rulers of what what was known as the Belgian Congo mm-hmm. and is now uh, uh, Republic of, uh, now is a number of African uh, nations in Central Africa, including Congo, Republic of Congo. And there were just, as you said, the atrocities were horrific. I think it's uh, estimated that at least 10 million Africans were mm-hmm. killed during his reign. Um, horrible, horrible things. Like right. That. And like, have like cutting off people's hands, and then making them hold them while you take a picture of them. Like the fuck is that? Like that's, that's right. some demon shit, you know, that's yeah. like some next level, 
like villainy, just real villainy. And we have that in our own world. Um, you know, it's often not that bare anymore. Right. And there's usually this kind of like, we're going to cover it up with like, no, but we're doing this to like, you know, um, make things better for people there. But like, it's, it's a lie that one tells not just to others, but I believe also to oneself. And I think that's one mm. of the things that makes it so um, powerful and effective right like is that interesting in fiction i don't know maybe to some people like um there was uh, something i think when you did the uh, wonder woman 84 episode was that was that with jessica Plummer? i believe so yeah Yeah, and she made a, a point that i really i really enjoyed where i think you also made a, um, a point about um the what was it max lord character i believe mm-hmm. and um how he was a little bit of a mustache twirler and it was like kind of like why does he want all this power and her point was just like some people just do and it's like it's not it's not that interesting in terms of like their character right and it's like sometimes that's that's a type of villain you know and i do think we should have some of that type of villain i think if that's the only type of villain that we ever get i think that's very boring Um, but I also think if we only ever get the kind of villain who's like really conflicted and like really believes that what they're doing is the best, like maybe that's more compelling for some people. And maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. it's more compelling, especially if it's done really well, but like personally, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take a swipe at an infinity war here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like, like Thanos is supposedly this kind of like, you know, he's kind of like a reverse colonizer, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, instead of colonizing here, I'm just going to... I mean, maybe he is just literally a colonizer. But, like, he just goes and he kills half the people. And then he's like, okay, things are better for you now. But, like, right. I, I don't think any of that ever made any sense. I think if he was just a villain who was just like, I fucking hate people and I I like killing them. Like, yeah. that movie would have worked better for me. I mean, his original motivation in the comics, oh, yes. in which they definitely teased in at least the, in the first time he's introduced yes. at the end of Avengers, court death. is that he's just trying to get in the pants of the embo- literal embodiment mm-hmm. of death. And it's like, look, I'm going to impress you by killing half the beings in the right. universe. And that's the uh, the line where he says, like, to, to fight the humans is to court yeah, death. Yeah. Like, that's the, the fun, like, entendre. Yes. There. I, I think I agree with you, and I think you're right. I think sometimes you do want a villain who's just evil, and you just want to see you just want to see them punched in the face. I think the thing you were saying about the lie is where is maybe kind of a better way to crystallize what I was trying to say okay. because I think I I think the colonialism point is so important, and I, like I said, I, I I just missed it. I'm so glad we pointed it out. I think though that that the lie is the part that was missing because there wasn't any of the well, we think we're making Earth better for the Earth mm-hmm. people, or we think we are, or even just, like, Earth has this natural resource we want, right. which was, you know, a huge part of the Congo. Sure. Or actually, or even in Congo, it was more even just, like, France has its empire, England has its empire, Germany has its empire, so we, Belgium, need to be, like, a huge power, too. Um, I mean, so much of it is just, like, the, the Keeping up with the ego. colonizers, basically. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and just on that same point, I also just want to kind of reiterate something you said, that, yeah, like, I think any kind of idea of, like, was Hitler worse, was Leopold worse, was this other, like, horrific person right. worse is kind, of, is kind of dumb. Yeah. But the fact that Hitler is a household name and King Leopold is not is – it's because Leopold's victims were black. Like, I don't I, think there's any question about that. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so and I, th- I think that's where I – think, I think if there had been at least some semblance of that lie – 
you know mm, um, okay i think that's kind of what i would have wanted more narratively but but i think i think what kamal's saying kind of has me convinced and, and somewhat what you're saying too that that sometimes the villain's motivation can just be like just we wanted to be the biggest kid on the block right. we wanted to be the empire and that's to some extent the frustration with it of like but that that you know, like that would have been a great thing to see people explore more mm. in season two, and and granted, all this comes from comic books, and so maybe this is explored, or maybe it will be explored in season two. I'd kind of love it if, you know, because a main character of the other main character of the the season one of the show is Invincible Omni Man's son, mm-hmm. who until the last minute really can't believe that his father could be this evil, mm. and I'd kind of love it if maybe like a big part of season two. Is him trying to find the reason. Oh, sure. You know, trying to find some reason to, not to justify, but still to be like... To understand. How can I have some degree of sympathy for where my father's coming from, even as I know I have to stop him? And eventually having to come across this kind of banality of evil point of, he's just a person, it's just supremacy and colonialism. He just thinks that his people are better than everyone else, and all of his people do, and that's how they've been raised, and that's... And so to them... The people of Earth just don't have moral value. Right. I I love to see if they explore that in season two. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting take on it. Like, I I really like the idea of searching for that reason. And, like, because I think sometimes, like, when you see a villain, or when I see a villain, like, or just somebody I disagree with in maybe, Mm -hmm. like, a really important personal matter where I really want to change their mind. I'm totally not referencing something that's going on in real life right now. But, like... (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, why they believe what they believe or why they want what they want because then maybe I can convince them. But right. sometimes there's not some real clear motivation. Sometimes, you know, there's a saying, like, you can't reason someone out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. Um, yeah. That, that I've never heard that, but that's a really, really good way of putting it. You know, where it's like, yeah, it's like, look, there just isn't – there isn't something I can say that's going to change their minds because – for whatever reason, they've decided this is what they're going with. And, you know, sometimes you can't understand why somebody has such malice and does such horrible things. It's just maybe what that person wants to do. And, yeah. you know, as as a, you know, prison abolitionist and uh, someone against um, the state murdering people or, you know, in polite conversation, the death penalty or... or uh, penalty? Oh, that, yeah, no. <laughs> um, it It's hard to think of like, but what would you do with those people? You know, because that right. is some very small subset of humanity. And right. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. But it sucks because well, I mean, there are people like that. I, I think you make a really good point. I, like you, I'm, I'm against the prison system. I am uh, very against the death penalty. But I recognize that, like, I want to believe in restorative justice. I want to believe in helping people find new ways they can be in their lives but but that's not going to be true for everyone but i would also even expand it to i think there's another larger group that we can have this conversation about that's not i mean not on the level we're talking about here of like the evil of like mass killing or something like that and um but you know over the last couple of years while people were trying to in like kind of liberal leftisty circles more most is more in like liberal circles i think leftists were like kind of what the hell are you guys doing but there was this attempt to, like, ex- understand the Trump voter, mm. you know, and to understand, like, the economic resentment or, like, the feelings of, I was always told as a white person and a male and a Christian and a heterosexual and a cisgendered person, like, that the world was supposed to be mine and now it's not and I'm upset about that. And, like, I think on some level it is helpful to understand those things. 
because it's helpful that, you know, I mean, there are ways in which, you're right, some of the, if, if you're born into hatred, it's hard to reason your way out of hatred. But at least if we understand where hatred comes from, we can maybe help, like, reach some people, but certainly help other people not be raised in it to begin with. Yeah. But, but I think that a lot of times those articles went to a place of, you know what, so let's have a lot of sympathy for these people, mm. like, who are having to deal with all these things they never expected of losing their jobs and a black president and, and oh, poor them that their, their sense of traditional marriage is having to be challenged. I'm like, fuck them. You know, I, I have so little sympathy for that. And I, I don't want to turn this into a political rant, although well, too late. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but my point being, I think this is another place where there's just that same attempt of being like, well, there has to be some rational reason why people decide to vote for Trump. There has to be some rational reason why people can be so convinced that these economic policies that are clearly hurting them right. are actually good for them or whatever it is. And it's just, you know, sometimes people are just hateful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia and, like, Christian supremacism and white supremacism, like, those things are real. And I, th I think, to me, and maybe I'm kind of like totally misrepresenting what you're saying, but I, I think I'm in the same path of, like, in the same way, I think sometimes we just have to accept, like, there might not be this, like, rational, magneto, killmonger-level, you know, justified reasoning why people find their ways into hateful positions. It just, hate's just a real thing. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And, like, you know, my, you know, Trump-supporting former friend... Like, mm -hmm. there were warning signs all along. Like, he was, like, a big Obama supporter, like, 08 and then 12. And, like, but there were, you know, when I'd had conversations with him, he talked about his racist father. You know, he talked about right. his racist friends and, like, the racist shit they would say and kind of laugh about it and be like, oh, they're so racist, right? But, like, then, you know, then he had a really unpleasant divorce and I don't know exactly what happened there but i know that it left him that he either either it was spurred by or came from um a like like deep deep misogyny and then yeah. as he started like i don't know maybe he just ended up sort of leaning that way in some ways and some people who were expressing certain misogynistic things said some other racist things that he was like oh you know, maybe my dad wasn't wrong. Like, and, yeah. you know, and it was just, it, I, like, I saw it. It was like this gradual process. And it was, honestly, it was really fucking depressing. Um, like, seeing someone who seemed like a rational, reasonable person who had actually gone out of their way to, to try to help people for a while, then just turn and, and like, just this hard uh, 90 degree right turn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and sometimes there's going to be something like that where you're going to see, oh, you know, this is how this person went down this path. Somebody else maybe had another way. And then some people, you know, I know people who just like, you know, their parents were Republicans. They're Republicans. are like, OK, I guess this is what Republicans are now. And they just, right. yeah, I don't know. Oh, there's, yeah, no, no more yeah. Um, depth on the um, political <laughs> ranting. But, you know, the point being like when you're talking about a group of people like that. Um, who basically is a group of people who did a thing once or twice, right? right? Um, like, it's a group of people. It's tens of millions of people. Different people had different reasons. And you can say, oh, well, economic factors maybe increased the number of people who did this thing. 
But there were a lot of people who were just like, you know, I don't like these people. I don't like those people. And like, yeah. they're just like, fuck them. And, you know, they pull the lever. And, and, and I think a lot of it is, is kind of the story, like you told, of someone who like bad things happen to them and then they want someone to blame. Yeah. You know, and that there's a lot of language. And, and this is something, I mean, this is not unique to the right, but I think at the mo- current moment, it's much, much worse on the right of, of that kind of reaching out and, and pulling it back again to, we actually got a comment about poli- uh, our personal oh, yeah. political position. We should we'll, go to we'll that get... one next. <laughs> sure. We can yeah. do that. Uh, actually, I, I was gonna say, let's take a break from that a bit okay. and, and talk about a couple uh, other things. Yeah, whatever. But, but kind of pulling it back, I, th- I think this kind of gets back to something you were saying at the beginning of this conversation of just, it is helpful. I like the Killmongers. Mm-hmm. I like the, the um, kingpins. I like the Magnetos. I like the people where it's like I see why you think you're the why you're the hero. Right. But it's also true that like going so far that we start to think like every bad person in our world must be really sympathetic on some level. If we can only see the world through their perspective, like no, that's not really true. Sometimes people in power just want to subjugate other people because that's what helps them feel like they're they're in more power. Yeah, and that's true whether it's you know as the king of a nation that wants to catch up to, you know, all these other colonizer nations or just because, you know, you're you're in danger of losing your job and so you want to make sure that the the people that there's still someone in the world who you can look down on, right. you know, because of the race or their color or their who they love or what gender they are or anything Yeah, like that. even if so, you're not any better off for it. It's just yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, Kamal, thank you again so much. Uh, it was a great, great email back and forth we had. And I'm really glad we're going to bring that up. I don't know how we're going to so, do a whole one. episode out of just uh however many feedback things we only got a half hour out of that one yeah i know i know uh well this next one i think could be a little quicker but it's a great point uh on a recent episode i think you were on it we were kind of joking about how um you know there's so much destruction that happens in these various worlds you kind of wonder like what are insurance rates like you know if a hero moves into your town like what's building insurance (laughs) like uh if it's destroyed by thor is that an actual act of god you know um and Kevin Warren wrote in, big fan of your podcast and network. In the last superhero ethics episode, the idea of a show where ins- insurance adjusters had to go around after superpowered people demolish buildings was brought up. I'm sure with the audience you have, someone quicker than I has already suggested this show. They haven't, so go you. There's an anime and manga called Trigun where two of the main characters are just that, insurance adjusters. They're tasked with trying to mitigate the damage caused by a character named Vosh the Stampede or Stampedo in the original Jap- I'm not sure to say with that accent. They are tasked with trying to mitigate the damage caused by a character named Vash the Stampede, or Stampedo, in the original Japanese. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. I'm not sure how much you care for anime. I seem to remember you saying that you're not a big fan of animation in general, but I'm not 100% true on that. I'm mostly not, but I'm coming around. This show is definitely a hard recommend, though. The first episode leads into the zany harder than the rest of the series, uh, and the show gets its footing an episode or two in, and it's kind of a mix of 70s TV Hulk and Kung Fu. So, awesome. I'm I'm so glad to know that exists. And our list is pretty long, but I'm happy to put that on a list of stuff to, to watch and some point talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for the recommendation. I will definitely check that out. I actually tried to watch it on some, I don't know, some not top line streaming thing. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure um, whether that'll pan out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I do enjoy anime a good amount. Um, I, I kind of paused watching it mostly because I want to learn Japanese first. 
That's fair. And, like, that's, like, the eighth or ninth language on the list. But, um, you know, I I actually usually watch in Japanese with English subs, but it would be nice to be able to watch with Japanese subs. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I I definitely look forward to uh, checking that out. Um, One of the the funny things during the podcast that we did, I don't think we got into too much. Oh, we did, right? But Steve, uh, who was on the podcast, uh, wrote a... Uh, series of comics called I think Proactive Insurance the Pros and it, it's sort mm. of in in this vein a little bit um, not exactly but kind of uh, so so that was it was kind of funny that we yeah. like came up with it I think I even said it and then like I was like oh wait <laughs> I actually yeah. read that comic <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right and Steve by the way he's he along with Will Freeland who's been on a number of our podcasts they're the two co-hosts of the hype is my superpower podcast which really goes deep in comic books themselves definitely recommend and i'll see if i can find a, a link to that comic that he created to, to share so i think the next one i want to go into and you, you referenced this it's a, a tweet that i actually just got today by sam russell uh and sam wrote hi love the show i was wondering will you ever have someone on to give the conservative or centrist side of superhero ethics uh, i have a lot to say in regard to this but paul i want to kind of let you give a, a, a first chance to kind of what your thoughts are on this yeah, I thought Matthew was the centrist, no? Um, <laughs> <laughs> resident radical uh, anarchist here. But hey, listen, how, which one of us has gotten actually literally arrested for doing political things? Oh, that, Thank that you very much. You. Which one of us has had the police come to their door while on this very <laughs> podcast talking about whether or not someone should kill the president in a purely fictional... <laughs> Which one of us just got mocked for bringing up that story too often? Anyway, we're going yes. way too far. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you brought it up more first, but okay. Um, yeah, I, Daredevil shouldn't hit people with iron poles and, not, and think he's not killing people. Right. Anyway, now we've gotten all the things we bring up too often. Fantastic. Something about Zack Snyder. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting because it's like I, I think having a wide range of perspectives is valuable mm-hmm. and often can kind of push our own views right um yep like being challenged i think you know sometimes it's like oh that's a really good point and i hadn't thought about it and um and i'm gonna do some thinking about it and maybe change my viewpoint and other times it's like right. hmm that's an interesting interesting way of attacking my viewpoint or taking a different tack and i want to reconsider and no i definitely disagree with you and now i have a better way of expressing that of expressing right. why I think that's not true. Um, so, you know, at the same time, like, if there's a viewpoint that feels very toxic, then it's like, you know, maybe I don't really want to have a conversation with somebody. I mostly personally, like, I really don't want to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't want to have a conversation. Right. right? Because there mm-hmm. is this thing that is quite prevalent on the right. It also exists on the left and in the center of basically stating one's case and then hearing one you know hearing a reaction to that and either totally ignoring that and just restating the case in the first place or misrepresenting the view that the other person was was trying to express and Mm -hmm. sometimes i think that's legitimate confusion and just poor communication Mm -hmm. but very often i think it's kind of a trolley um refusal to actually engage someone on the point they're trying to make and I personally don't really have any interest in 
in partaking in that or or listening to it there's things that i've watched sometimes and i'm like oh i kind of like this show but the the host isn't actually responding to their panel right. you know and i'm like what's the point of that why if they're just going to yeah. ignore what's being said this isn't uh, there's no point to have a conversation like just record separate monologues and people can listen to them yeah i i think i'm in a similar place where i would add a couple of different caveats one is i mean you joke about me being a centrist and it's funny because um Five years ago, I think in a lot of ways, I was kind of more politically leftist than you were in some ways. Ish, Although yeah. you, you've always had a much more, you've always had a, a strong anarchist streak. Yes. And I think it's just kind of adjusted in some ways. And um, I think there's still some ways in which I'm probably, I think the whole concept of like left, right, it's, center it's is kind fucked. of broken to begin with. <laughs> yes. But like you and I sit at different points of axes and in some places I'd be considered more radical and in some places you'd be considered more radical. Uh, and, and your joke about centrism is also kind of an interesting one. I, I feel like, you know, we both have kind of a leftist bent. And I think uh, you, you could say that, like, I'm li- I'm the centrist or that liberals are centrist. But certainly centrist in the modern day political context, I think, is, is quite different than that. Yeah. Um, I think the Joe Manchins of the world are kind of the, the centrists of today. <laughs> centrists. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're not going to just, oh, not gonna just make this a political No, rant. no. But, but I think there's two other key things. And actually, so... Well, just in, ter- so let me check. No. Just in terms of the axes, I, I, I do think like left, right, economic speaking, like I think we're in pretty similar area. I think, yeah. um, you know, anti-authoritarian, like anarchist compared to not like hard authoritarianism, but a little softer. I think I yeah. think there I, we diverge a little bit more. But Yeah, I, I think that kind of, and it, it's funny that we keep talking about civil war, but in some ways I feel like civil war mm-hmm. encapsulates one of the one of the biggest axes of human discussion and division there is yeah. which is that fundamentally you have more trust in the individual and i have more trust in the society oh i um, just have no trust in anyone yeah i have more trust in myself <laughs> Fair than, enough. you know anyway not not to get yeah, into that yeah, yeah. but but the other the other caveat i was going to add to all this is i i think we do have i surely don't do any kind of political litmus test of who comes on but i know that we had people on who share political ideas that i often disagree with a lot Matt Carroll has been very open about the fact that he's, you know, a libertarian uh, who who has voted Republican for quite a lot of his time. He's now he, he's very opposed to Trump and like that aspect of Republicanism. But I think he's very he's a lot closer to the right than you or I on a lot of economic issues and a lot of social justice issues. So I think he's definitely a voice that we've had on here. Not all the time. I think he's guested on five or six episodes by now. Mm-hmm. And there's also a couple other people I think have uh, fairly different political views and a number of things. And some of them come up and some of them not. And so, yeah, so we've had definitely guests who are of various political stripes and I think are, you know, I don't always agree with on, on everything and I certainly don't have to. But I think I do have a couple of general guidelines that I follow in terms of who are the people I want to bring on and who, what are the topics I want us to get into. And one of them is definitely the one that I think, Paul, you were mentioning in terms of like the toxicity and stuff like that. A second is, and, and it's kind of related to it in terms of the like toxic debating habits, but this can also, it doesn't even have to be that. I think in order to have a, de- a discussion, not even a debate, but also a debate, but even more a discussion, you have to start with agreement on general principles that you can then move forward on. Yeah. You know, I, I can't have someone come on and talk to me about a TV show if they haven't seen the TV show. And, and, and the point is to actually discuss the TV show instead of an idea from it. And I, in my own, uh, uh, professional career, I spent a long time working in reproductive justice, uh, pro-choice as some people would understand it. And 
you know, one thing I learned is that if someone starts from the viewpoint that life begins at conception and someone else starts from the viewpoint that it doesn't, I'm, I'm in the second camp, there's not much of a discussion to be had between those two. You can have a discussion about, okay, well, if we disagree on that, can at least find ways to agree on, like, are these different things things that can help, you know, reduce unwanted pregnancy if we both agree on that or something like that. But if the core principle is one believes this is when life begins and another believes something different, you're not going to be able to have much of a discussion about, like, the moral value of the thing. Uh, of Wow, that sounds terrible. Of the moral value of a fetus, for example. Um, and I'm touching on the abortion argument, not to get into it at all, just to kind of use that as an example of, you know, if someone is interested in coming here to talk about how superhero movies are terrible and there's no point watching them because they don't teach anything, well, the whole premise of superhero ethics is that they do. And so I don't know if I could have a conversation with that person. But the third thing is, and I think this is kind of similar to what you were talking about, Paul, but I want to take it in a bit different direction, is it's not just that I don't want to have toxic conversations and I don't want to have conversations with people who I think aren't arguing in good faith. Though I think that's very true. And I think, as you said, a failure to argue in good faith can happen on all sides of the political spectrum. I certainly think right now it is being driven much more, especially in big media circles, by more on the right. But it can happen on all sides. Agreed. But also, and and maybe this sounds like the opposite, um, but I don't think so, there are some topics that I believe are settled, and I'm not interested in re-debating. And I mean things like climate change. Like, I think climate change is real, and I'm, if you want to get into, like, the nitty-gritty of, <clears throat> okay, the exact details of how climate's changing and things like that, I'm not a scientist. That's not my place to debate. But if someone were to want to come on and say, well, I want to debate with you if climate change is real because you reference it in regard to Marvel shows, I'm not interested in having that discussion. I'm not interested in having a conversation about if vaccines help or hurt. I think that's settled. And in similar ways, I'm not interested in having discussions about, you know, is white supremacy a thing? Is misogyny in comic book worlds a thing? Right. Or is, like, is it good? Yeah. Or like, is representation in general a good thing? I'm not interested in having that conversation. And it's not that I think that conversation should never happen, because I, I do think it is a settled topic, but I think that it's helpful for more people to hear the reasoning. Uh, but that's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is like, okay, we're talking to folks who agree with some of these general ideas. Let's dive into them and talk about how, you know, how can we explore these kind of things and how, how can we find the things that are our own blind spots, like me with colonialism or the things that we can hear by listening to other people's voices. And... I just think that on those topics especially, I believe that they're settled and I believe that continuing to discuss them again and again and again and, and giving someone, unquote, unquote, the other side a, a platform as though that there is a reasonable discussion to be had about, well, maybe white supremacy doesn't exist or maybe there isn't misogyny in comic book movies or in Hollywood. Like, I, I just, this, that's not what this is a platform for. And so for me, that's kind of where I stand. I am, and I'll say kind of, kind of wrap it up. I would have said 10 years ago that there were many conservatives who I would happily have on here to have a great conversation about the topics we talk about. I feel like that the way the country has changed, especially the way that the the, the political party that kind of represents conservatism to some extent, the, the Republicans, has changed, means that it's honestly a lot harder for me to conceptualize of conservatives who are going to want those conversations on the kind of terms that I'm interested in having them. I would love to be proven wrong if there are folks who identify as conservative or centrist who are fans of this podcast, please let me know. I'd love to, you know, if you want to talk about like, you know, ways that Batman could use his money better to, to make the 
populations of Gotham better, I'd be happy to have those conversations. If you want to talk about, like, you know, Captain America, the American patriotism and stuff like that, I'd be happy to talk about those conversations. But to give just an example, like the last time uh, folks who are identifying as conservative came into these kind of conversations that I was a part of, not on this podcast, but on the, the Stranded Panda Facebook group, it was from the perspective of, oh, John Walker is misunderstood. There's no racism. You know, there was nothing. The, the banker didn't do anything racist in Falcon the Winter Soldier. The cops didn't do anything racist. And I just, I, I have trouble believing that those arguments are being made in good faith. But even if they are, I just don't think there's any, any value in having those arguments, not on this podcast, at least. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I, th- I think those are arguments that, like, need to happen for some people with mm-hmm. the right people. Right. And I think that, you know, there are things that that we can discuss here that, you know, maybe I I feel like often are kind of more nuances in an area where we're a little closer together a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And having someone a little further apart on some issues, I think, can be fantastic on issues like whether or not there's racism, whether or not it was displayed in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and like you know, whether or not it should even exist in, um, in comic book, um, you know, media, uh, I think is, that's maybe not the conversation to have. Yeah. Like Um, I'll give an example. I I think if you wanted, if someone wanted to come on and tell me that they actually are even more of a Kingpin fan than I am because they're super pro gentrification. Okay. Let's have that conversation. I'd be interested in having that conversation. If someone wants to come on and say like, well, the Viltrumites, Omni-Man's people are actually super powerful. And so they should be the ones ruling everything. Like, that's not something I think is up for debate, you know? Right, right. Fair, fair. Um, uh-huh. And uh, similarly, I think, like, if somebody wants to come on, I don't know, maybe me, um, and say, like, yeah, I love superhero movies, but, like, I do think they're fairly problematic, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of issues in superhero movies. And I think we have a real problem with superhero movies dominating visual fiction to the extent that they do and particularly being controlled by such a small number of companies i mean i saw somewhere a rumor that like disney was gonna buy dc and i'm like oh please no you know i mean on the one hand like yeah i think you know marvel studios has done a much better job with their um you know live action offerings than dc has of late but Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's like having things consolidated more does not seem like a good idea to me. But, like, that's a conversation we can have not saying, like, oh, these are all garbage and we should they should not exist. But, like, I think a lot of times when we say, okay, we we appreciate this thing, but let's talk about it and talk about some of the things that maybe could be different either in that thing or in overall society. And then that thing wouldn't maybe have some of the negative effects. Maybe it does. Definitely. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, I think there's definitely people out there who I think are going to be much more critical than we are. Our, our oh, mutual yeah. friend Logan, the person who actually who knew us both in high school and introduced us, is, I think, in many ways a lot more radical than I am. And I think in some ways more radical than you are, though not all. Um, and, and we've had him on this podcast before, and I'll mm-hmm. happily have him on again. I'll happily have people on from all sorts of perspectives. I just – I want conversations. Yeah. I want people to disagree but be interested in those conversations. And, and – if that's where they're coming from, that that's what's more interesting to me than like the label they use. Logan's the one I was speaking to, uh, and and the the Congo came up or Leopold. Yeah. Uh, that was one of that. one of the things, and then then um, the the Chomsky video was the other one. Yeah. 
I, I mean, it's funny because I think if you were to say to me, like, I, I, there are, I think there are some people, and like Logan's made this point, as others have, that like on some level, maybe we shouldn't be consuming any of this media. Right. You know? And I think, yeah. I, I think, to me, I think it's valuable to consume it because it's part of the pop culture discussion. And I think we can get a lot out of it. But I think if someone were to look at it and go, Matthew, you only do this podcast. So you have a reason to justify sitting and eating popcorn while watching, you know, Thor and Captain America blow things up. But, right. Yeah, you might have a point there too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with a lot, as with a lot of things, I think we have to look at it and say, look, there's negative value and there's positive value, right? Right. There is harm that's done and there's there's good that's done as well, right? People feeling represented in ways that they didn't before, um, yeah. you know, and some subjects being broached that might not have been broached in certain groups, right? I mean, yeah. um, I, I have a lot of issues with how Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended in certain regards. But in terms of being like, yeah, this show is going to be about how there's going to be a black Captain America and you're all going to deal with it and talk about it. Like, I think that has a a net positive effect on society, even if there is an extent to which I think the show is centrist propaganda. But (laughs) (laughs) and and I would say it's liberal propaganda, but I think that's also because our our Our, views of that scale differ a bit. But I very much I agree. And I think it was nowhere near as radical as a show that I would have wanted. But I also know and I think it's kind of what you're saying. There are people I know who have had their attitudes on race changed by that show yeah. who would never watch Noam Chomsky or right. never listen to Noam Chomsky. Exactly. You know? I think that's like why the, the value. So anyway, let's move on because yes. uh, un- unsurprisingly, we're finding a lot to talk about about these yeah. things. TJ Strafford, who's written in a bunch of times, uh, is very involved in the Panda Network. Thank you so much, TJ, for uh, being a, a loyal fan and for writing in. I've spent the last couple of months listening to many of your older casts, and there's one that hit me really hard. I'm talking about episode 94, link in the show notes, No Racism in Ba Sing Se. The reason this one specifically strikes a chord with me is because I live in Ba Sing Se. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, in the show Avatar The Last Airbender, again, spoilers for this if you want to jump ahead, in the city of Ba Sing Se, the Earth Kingdom in which the city is a capital of is in the midst of a terrible war, and all these horrible things are happening, but the people are pretty much brainwashed and and the sort of the thing they keep repeating is there is no war in bossing say and the episode was about how that's kind of an idea of like the ways in which we can blind ourselves to hard truths that we don't want to acknowledge so with that being said uh tj continues here's what i mean i live in northern new york very northern basically canadian minus the free healthcare, in a very small town surrounded by several other small towns my community looks and a lot of time acts like one giant Trump rally. There isn't much diversity here. There were only two black students that I can think of in my high school, and they were brothers. For the most part, if you encounter a person of color around here, they're either a student or an employee of one of the four universities in the area. Because of these factors, I essentially live in a bubble. So in a way, so many of the racial issues our country's deals with almost feel like they're happening on another planet. It all feels so foreign to me, it's almost incomprehensible. To top things off, I'm having to confront the idea that I've always held to top things off. I'm having to confront the ideas that I've always held about law enforcement. I grew up watching cop shows and always held the profession in high regard. My community has very similar views because of this. I studied criminal investigation in college due to health concerns. I was never able to become a police officer, but I do work security at one of the local colleges. So that is sort of law enforcement adjacent. He puts in a question mark. Regardless, my job requires me to work with local police fairly regularly. I know all the officers in my local department, so it's extremely difficult to reconcile my experiences with the rest of our countries. I've come to the conclusion that in a way, I live in a reality separate from the rest of the world. This is what I mean when I say that I live in Ba Sing Se. 
We don't have giant walls separating us, but our distance from major cities, combined with our frankly obscenely cold winters, which here in Minnesota I have no idea what we're talking about, keeps most from coming to our area. As a result, there's never much change here. Most people are content to ignore the problem since they rarely reach us. Anyway, sorry for the dissertation. Nothing to be sorry for. So glad you wrote in. Just wanted to say thanks for framing this in a way that I can relate to and therefore discuss. I'm loving your cast and making the night shifts go by myself. I lo I'm loving your cast and it's making the night shifts by myself go by a lot faster. Keep doing what you're doing. So, uh, Paul's always want to hear your thoughts, but I just want to start by saying, TJ, thank you so much for writing in. And this, I, I mean, I, I picked it to go next, but I think it's kind of so perfect after the discussion we just had. To me, that's the kind of perspective that I'm so glad to hear because, honestly, I can't claim to know. I did grow up in a very liberal bubble, very different than what TJ is talking about. And sometimes it's easy for me to just say, you know, I think even here we've kind of, you know, before I was like, ah, fuck all those people who are racist and homophobic and don't want to change. And I, I do still feel that way to some extent. But I think what TJ is really helping to point out is like, but that doesn't mean all those people. Like, there are people who can grow up in one perspective and see things differently because things are pointed out to them. And that's true on all dynamics, right, or left center. So, yeah, I, I just love this email so much. And I think it's, I think you really captured what makes that episode about Bossing Say so powerful and so relatable. Uh, Paul, what's what's your thought on this? Um, yeah, first of all, thank you again, TJ, um, for sending this in. It really is a, uh, it's funny because this, um, th this message is about, kind of us talking about something and that being something that you're unfamiliar with and kind of getting a view of, of what that's like, what it's like to live kind of in the rest of the world to some extent, right? Um, and meanwhile, it's giving us a look into what it's like maybe to live in northern New York, um, yeah. practically Canada, which I've, I've thought about moving to like way north New York or Vermont, basically, so I could just like make it off uh, across the border when... <laughs> inevitably American empire crumbles. And, um, mm -hmm. ideally I'd like to move to Canada sooner, but, um, but no, I mean, just the idea that like, there are places where certain problems, not that they don't touch, but that they barely touch. Right. Like mm -hmm. if, if you live in a place that has almost no black people, then the police probably aren't going to engage in as much violence towards black people. Right. Because there's just not as much opportunity. I, I, I read um, somewhere recently that the city, I think, with the highest incident, you know, rate of uh, incidents of like anti-Asian hate crimes is Vancouver. And at first that's like, oh, but it's like it's a city that's like half like Asian or like half Asian Canadian. And it's right. like, but of course, right? Like yeah. you're obviously going to have a lot more of a of a particular conflict if you have more people of the groups who are going to engage in that conflict in that in that case. And as with law enforcement, you know, against you know black civilians, like that's that's a very one sided conflict most of the mm -hmm. time. Um, but I think you know the the fact that like we can kind of bring ideas to one another through the internet is a magical thing and it yeah. makes me happy even when the ideas are sometimes about like really fucking awful depressing shit yeah no i think it's helpful because even as much as i say it like it is easy for me to start thinking in terms of like all those people in flyover country mm -hmm. and, and that kind of nonsense and i think i still probably hold more of those views than i would like to right i think i hold far less of 
I think I held far more of them five years ago and certainly 15 years ago. And I think these, I think messages like this are super helpful because I think it, it helps For remind sure. us that, yeah, like we had this great conversation about how there's some people who just, they want to hold on to this hate and they want to hold on to the supremacy because that that's all they know. But also I think as TJ is pointing out, sometimes it's also because you just haven't been exposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, again, what kind of a better way of, you know, pointing these things out of like, you know, uh, TJ, I, I think you, you've kind of had your own kind of coming to understanding these things from many directions. But, you know, for, for folks in communities where they're never going to watch something about like a Noam Chomsky or a um, uh, I like list of the, the um, like the Fred Hampton movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Recently, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. But yeah, because I think I think it's certainly true that, you know, someone who's not going to watch the Judas and the Black Messiah or the Malcolm X movie, but will watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier or will watch, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, a kid's show. But that is so insidious because so it's got such strong political mo- messages uh, that can hit people. And it still is also wonderfully entertaining, yeah. even though I think the first season's a little more kid friendly than I would like. But that's nah, just because I'm a grumpy old man. And I'd like to um, also at some point perhaps do an ep- episode about uh, some things that are problematic in the series that looking back, yeah. it's like, oh, they, they could have done better with that. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that it's like my favorite series ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, I don't know if there's much more to say about it. I would just say, like, I, I think there's such a great point. I think you've you've highlighted an aspect to the Bossing Say story that, you know, Kamal, Kamal earlier talked about how he sees the colonialism issue as, as a black man in a way that I, I can never claim to see. And I'm so glad for that perspective. I've never in a million years been worried that I was actually myself living in Bossing Say. I mean, I think America is, but I never felt like I was being I didn't feel like I had to have my eyes opened to a moment that I wasn't that that I was living in Boston say and I shouldn't in the way TJ I think what you're talking about I think that's it's just such a great perspective and I love that I I'm just so glad you wrote in about it so thank you so much give you a chance in case you have anything else then I'll move on oh I also wanted to say thanks to to Kamal for the uh the invincible question and or comment and and thanks to uh Sam for the um the tweet and thanks to um, Kevin for the um, recommendation. I think I gave yeah. thanks for the recommendation, but I yeah. I just realized as as I was thanking one person specifically, which I you know is genuine. I also feel genuine appreciation for the the other uh, messages that we have received right. as well, and I wanted to explicitly express that. No, I, I think it's really true. I think to, to everyone, well, with one exception that I'm about to get to, but to everybody who wrote in to us, thank you so much. We're so grateful. Um, I think it makes this episode possible. We talked about that at the beginning, and I'm not personally thanking each of you. Thank you so much. Uh, one exception. Uh, our thirsty, our email, yeah. We did an episode last week that I've jokingly referred to as Thirsty Thirsty Pandas um, about um, thirst, ethics of thirst. Some dude named Paul who's just never happy with anything. Never he happy wrote with us. anything. <laughs> he, claimed, he thinks he's a radical, but really not so much. He wrote in, I enjoyed your thirst episode with Ashley Coffin, despite the fact that the usage of the word thirst in this context seems redundant with the word horny and also renders me without a neutral means of expressing a literal need for increased hydration. Hold on, I'm going to have a sip. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's so important that women and queer folks feel comfortable to express their sexual desires and attractions and all that. And I think Ashley and others have done a great job carving out a safe space for this. And I think you, Matthew, thank you, have done great work helping male and non-binary folks feel comfortable expressing appreciation for and or attraction to other male and non-binary folks. 
I do think that while you mention the potential for harm in the prevalence of such idealized images of the male form, and rightly pointed out that many body types can be attractive, you undersold it a bit more than I'd like. Of course, women have been treated worse by Hollywood for far longer, and the extent to which turnabout is fair play, and I certainly don't want to shame anyone if their desires are for expressing those desires. I think it's great that more people are, are feeling comfortable expressing themselves, as there has been discussing repression as there has been discussing repression of female sexuality, homosexuality, and all forms of queerness for literal millennia. I just want to shine a bit brighter light on the damage done by the industry to people of all genders and orientations. So, obviously I'm talking about our, our own Paul here. Thank you so much for uh, uh, writing this all down. He didn't actually write it in, but he listened to that episode and, and had some good thoughts and, and wrote, wrote it down so we could, we could talk about it here on the feedback. So, um, uh, Paul, I, 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 I was about to give ask my me response. to respond to my, I don't know. This guy sounds like a dick. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I would just say, I, I think you made a really good point there. I think, especially on that episode, there was so much we were trying to get into that. I, I think for myself, especially because we're kind of getting, we're, we're sort of fighting back against so many, as you point out, literal millennia of men saying like, we get to talk about like, oh yeah, look at her butt, look at her breasts, you know, right. whatever. Um, but that women are not supposed to. And the episode was all about kind of like reclaiming that space and, and actually getting to talk about why that's so important to me kind of cheering that on and, and giving some perspective. I, I didn't want to kind of make it too much about like, but what about the men? Think about the poor men. Right. But I think you are correct that I think that we, we probably maybe should have gone into that a little bit more because I do think that there's, and I think as you point out in, the, in this email as well, and we said in the podcast there is an entire culture that's built around telling women that unless they are this particular body type, that they are worthless and terrible and they can never get a mate or they shouldn't go out in public or they shouldn't wear a bikini. That I think I, I think I, and I think many people who are masculine identified in some way or another are just not subjected to in anywhere near the same way. But it's not, it's, that's not an absolute. And I think you're very right that there's, there's definitely a sense of which the things that Chris Evans and, and, Sebastian Stan, not Stan Sebastian, as some <laughs> idiotic co-host may have mentioned in the past. You know, the things that these folks are doing to themselves is not healthy. And them being held up as par- – I think I think for the most part we're not necessarily holding them up as like, why can't all more men be like this? Sure, yeah. But certainly there's that potential and that that's something to definitely be aware of, I think. And I think I think you're very right to kind of highlight that that further. Yeah, and, and I what I left out here that I want to add is that I, I do think it's a very difficult topic. I think it's a very important topic in terms of, you know, people embracing their sexuality, particularly people who have not had the – who have not been encouraged to do so, you know. And, I mean, you talk a, a, during the thing about, like, the ways in which men have often done this. And personally, I've always – found men or boys um or anyone but like especially like men and boys around me talking about women in those ways um it's made me uncomfortable you know it um particularly like when it's like particularly misogynistic like it's not i haven't always spoken out about it or i've like Mm -hmm. maybe almost never spoken out about it and um i think that's bad and i wish i would have more um, and in the future, but at the same time, like the whole thing, like, oh, that's just locker room talk, you know, um, uh, like that specific quote to which, um, you know, was referred. I, right. I was like, I haven't really heard people talk like that around me, you know? Yeah. And I feel like certain people talk in certain ways more around people they think are going to be okay with it, 
you know, mm-hmm. and like maybe I give up a sort of give off like a sort of like disapproving of sexual assault vibe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I would like to give off that vibe. But yeah, I, I just I do think that there is there, you know, men have body issues, you know, body image issues, too. Right. Yeah. And um, there's just there's a lot of issues that affect women or affect, you know, racial minorities that also affect people who, who aren't in those minorities. Um, and I think it's, I, I appreciate that you did mention it. Um, and I, I don't want to like derail the conversation, you know, yeah. I just kind of want to like, sort of like add a little kind of chaser, like, by the way, you know, there's also some stuff like this going on. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that's maybe like a longer conversation for another time. Um, But I I did I did think that you did a really good job of trying to kind of, you know, make sure that you had like kind of some disclaimers throughout. Like, you know, these aren't the only bodies that like, you know, um, people find attractive. And, you know, it's not like you're necessarily better because, you know, you you spend eight months getting jacked. (laughs) Right. And I think I think I think those are very good points. I do think. I think you're right that this episode wasn't necessarily the right time for it. But I think one thing that this this really crystallizes for me an episode that I've wanted us to do for a while and that I think this would be a not the only but kind of one interesting point about it is like getting into images of masculinity that mm-hmm. superhero movies give us, you know, yeah. both in terms of toxic uh, images that are given or sometimes challenging toxic images, body images, like ideas of how men are supposed to carry themselves in the world. I, I think there's a great topic to be discussed there. Um, and in that we can get into everything from, you know, superheroes type stuff to the body image to, and even the, the, the Disney movies Frozen and Frozen 2, where I think the character of Kristoff, especially in the song he sings in, in the second movie, but just his whole character is just such a great, like, response to talk, a, a hero who does not embody toxic masculinity and very specifically rejects it in a great way. So there's so much we could talk about there, but I, I think this, this issue of body image would be a great one to talk about because I think, you know, it does feel different to me. Uh, then, then, you know, as Ashley and I talked about on that issue, like someone like Chris Pratt has to change their body fairly significantly in order to be part of a Marvel movie. But Chris Pratt could also be a huge star in Parks and Rec and be thought of as, you know, very attractive and very charming while not having anything close to a Marvel body Mm -hmm. in a way that I think would be much harder for someone who wasn't a masculine actor. So, yeah, I think there's there's so many dynamics to talk about there. And I think, uh, I, I think you kind of said it well that, we don't need to put it as part of the, like, as the, like, well, but actually part of a conversation about, you know, emerging thirst, uh, female and queer thirst. But it is a topic we should definitely get into, and, and so let's, let's plan on that episode sometime in the future. Sounds good. Awesome. So we have two more. Uh, first comes from Jenny Huang. And Jenny wrote in, I just, I just heard the last podcast, and I apologize, this... Um, People are sending me messages in a number of ways. One thing that sometimes people are doing is going to the Facebook pages of the superhero ethics or the Star Wars ethic or the Star Wars podcast page and sending me like a Facebook message through those. Uh, Thank you for doing so. It's hard for me to find those sometimes, um, both because the ethical panda is kind of the main page I'm trying to use, but also just because Facebook is garbage and uh, (laughs) it's hard to get it's hard to get direct messages sent by people who aren't on my friends list. And they're sent to one of those two pay, uh, a group instead of just my own profile. So uh, if you can, uh, I, I apologize. I'm not, I haven't gotten it until now. Uh, it's always better to just email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com or leave a public comment on the Ethical Panda Facebook page or Twitter. 
But these are also other good ways to reach us, and I, I apologize I didn't get to it earlier. But so she wrote, I believe right after the episode we did on Godzilla vs. Kong, I just heard the last podcast. It was interesting and entertaining as usual. I, good to hear that. To add to the category of large animals, I was wondering why you did not mention Jurassic Park or Planet of the Apes. I think the T-Rex would fall into the category of Titans, and just like King Kong, the chimpanzees of Planet of the Apes are very intellectual. Also, uh, are intellectual. And then also in a different message, uh, Jenny mentioned that they are blind and that they really loved our discussion of Daredevil. So first of all, thank you so much for that. I, I'd asked people who had had vision impairments of various kinds to, to reach out to that because uh, I was because I, I was acknowledged I was speaking from a kind of disabled perspective, but not a blindness perspective. So thank you so much, Jenny, for that. But Paul, what's kind of your thoughts on uh, uh, how does Jurassic Park and T-Rex and Planet of the Apes fall in our larger conversation about um, uh, titans and, and big monsters and things like that? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think I think those are great examples that, that you brought mm-hmm. up, Jenny. Um, I I, um, I was mostly just focusing on, you know, the Titanverse or the Monsterverse or whatever, you know, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of other stuff, I guess I probably referenced Star Wars a little bit too, knowing me. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't re-listen to the episode. But yeah, I mean, the, the you know, the dinosaurs that actually walked this Earth were you know, huge animals, right? Yeah. And uh, very real. And I do think, you know, I, to some extent, I think the Titans are, are kind of modeled after them, right? Oh, um, yeah. And uh, Planet of the Apes, I found very interesting. Um, the 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 newer ones, um, especially the, the first one, I guess, mm-hmm. of the newer ones. And it, I haven't seen it that recently, but, uh, you know, I... Like, Caesar's just straight up a person, right? Yeah. And, I mean, but, like, you know, chimpanzees and, 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 you know, great apes, like, are, like, to me, are people. And, I mean, like, all animals are people to some extent to me, right? Like, right. when we were talking about things where, um, you know, you might just not see eye to eye with someone. Like, like you were talking about, you know, you can't talk about reproductive rights if... In the same way, if one person's like, well, I think, you know, this zygote is life and someone right. else is, is, you know, to me, animal lives are lives that matter. And to some people, not so much. And then some people are like, well, they are, but maybe a lot less than humans. And and um, so, yeah, I mean, I think these are really good examples. I don't know why they didn't spring to mind. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I was probably really tired that day also, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like usual. Um, no, but... Um, yeah, I think the, the, the apes in, you know, in, in Planet of the Apes, it's particularly interesting because they get, you know, a, a higher level of intelligence than they already have, which is already a very high level intellig- of intelligence, right. right? And, um, you know, the sort of what would happen between animals and humans if animals had a little bit more mm-hmm. power, I think it's a very interesting question. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know, maybe humans would get what they deserve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think those are both great examples, and I'm really glad, Jenny, you brought them up. Let me start with just the Planet of the Apes one that you were just discussing. Uh, and granted, I haven't seen these movies in, in a number of years. I think I, I last saw... I think I, I saw the second one. I never actually got to see the third one. And yeah, I saw too. the second one that came out, which I think is at least five years ago by now. So my memory might be hazy. But one of the things that I always got the feeling of is, like, yes, their intelligence increased, but much more so their ability to communicate with humans 
and to express their intelligence in mm. ways that humans would recognize right. was a big part of what changed. And I think that's a big part of the most important part of the movie, to be honest. And, and the whole idea is the is kind of pointing out, and this is something that I think um, I love uh, kind of give a shout out to Matt Carroll. Star Trek, I think, does such a good job of highlighting this again and again and again, that when we understand intelligence and sentience and thus moral value in one specific set of terms, anything that doesn't fit that small box we think of as not intelligent and not sentient and thus not worthy of the same kind of moral value. And I think uh, Planet of the Apes is a great example of that. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I think it's, it's another great point to add in this conversation of, of animal stuff of how is it that when in these kind of movies and in our own life when we're encountering things that are different from us and that's everything from animals to you know people with backgrounds and experiences that are mm -hmm. different than us, it's so easy for us to say, oh, you know, that person doesn't use the particular kind of grammar that I grew up learning, right. so they must be stupid. They don't know how to speak proper English, you know, even though, like, different dialects, whether it's, like, you know, African-American vernacular English or just, like, uh, regional dialects or whatever, can have just as much syntax and grammar and, like, oh, grammatical sure. rules as, as, you know, the Queen's English. It's just not what we're taught to, you know, see as intelligent or that kind of thing. So, yeah, I... No, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was about to go to Jurassic Park, so you jump in with this one. Yeah, I, I think you make um, a really good point about um, basically the ability to communicate in a way that more humans will understand. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for this reason, I, I think people with with accents that are that are foreign to a person, whether they are from speaking English as a second language or, um, you know, I mean, I think personally, like if I examine my own prejudices, like when someone speaks with a Southern accent, I probably ha that influences yeah. my view of them, you know, probably in a negative way. And that's not fair. Um, and you know, there's some other American accents that I hear and I'm like, mm, you know, but <laughs> like, and that's, that's also not fair. That's, that's, you know, a, a bias. Um, personally, I've heard so many people in my life speak with accents that are from speaking English as a second language that um, I think I have a very different view on that than like your average, you know, right. English speaker does. Um, and similarly with animals, like I've, I've talked to animals since I was a small child, like, and mm -hmm. like I look in a cat's eyes and I see a person there and I communicate generally more non-verbally you know, but like, you know, holding out a hand and they, they smell my hand and then, you know, maybe I pet them if they want me to. And if they don't, then I leave them alone. And like, I learned that as a very small child. And so I think as a result, I've had a personal connection to animals and, and have been able to understand them in a way that I think most people feel like this is, you know, there was this an idea of, of animals as like automatons that are basically like robots, essentially like biological robots. Right. And, you know, if, if they could say words, it would be different, you know? Um, but like most people, I think don't have that experience to the same extent. I mean, some people do with cats and dogs maybe, but, um, but yeah, I, I think the perception of the intelligence of the, um, you know, the, the animals in, uh, Planet of the Apes is, you know, bigger than the necessarily the actual intelligence in terms of ability to think about things. Right. I mean, like one thing I, I really struck by is when I was growing up, we were basically taught that sentience and intelligence 
was basically directly linked to how close an animal was to humanity, you know? Right. And so uh, chimpanzees and apes and others of the um, kind of collected, like, um, I want to say monkey, but I know that's not biologically accurate, but like of that kind of general genus, that's probably also not biologically accurate, but whatever. Um, you know, that, that those were kind of the most intelligent and that dolphins were kind of put there as well. But, you know, the general is certainly like mammals are the most intelligent. More recently, we're learning that like octopuses, maybe some of the most intelligent creatures on Earth, you mm-hmm. know, um, but like they seem so alien and different and and like I, I've actually seen it like people claiming like aliens are proof like uh, octopuses are proof that like alien life exists and they came and populated this planet. I, I have no oh. idea if there's any validity to any of that. I don't know anything about the I'm not a marine biologist by any means, but. But yeah, I think I think these are all things that are challenging, you know, our understandings of things. And I, and you know, I think that's very true of animals. But also, as you said, it's it's true about people who just don't communicate the we we communicate. One of the reasons why I love the TV show Kim's Convenience is it helped me kind of identify some of the biases that I have about the the kind of very thick uh, uh, Korean accent that the that Oppo, one of the main characters in that show, has. Not even that I ever would have doubts about his intelligence, but just there are topics he talks about that I found myself being like, oh. I, I wouldn't think of someone having that accent talking about this topic. What the hell's wrong with me? Why would I? Of course they would. Um, and it was just it was just such a that that's an amazing show itself. Um, that we'll definitely I, get into. I just watched but, the last episode this morning. I'm so yeah. sad. <laughs> so the last thing I would say though is just a, on the other part of it, I, I think I think you make a great point. Tyrannosaurus Rex is very much a Titan in the same kind of way. I think a little bit different because. One of the questions is sort of were the Titans like a natural part of our world or are they kind of like something outside of that? And they get all these kind of supernaturally kind of questions. And we just know, I mean, dinosaurs were just a legit part of our world, you know, just eons and eons and eons ago. But I will say not all of them, and there, there's been a lot of Jurassic Park movies and they're really up and down in terms of quality and I haven't seen every single one of them. But I'd say certainly the first one, and I think for the most part over the series – they do a good job of, of making it clear that dinosaurs are not evil, that dinosaurs are not monstrous, that they're not, you know, monsters, that they're animals doing things that animals do that aren't in any way, like, prepared and to live among the human world, and that doing putting them among the human world is going to be incredibly dangerous for humans. Right. But that, like, velociraptors aren't evil. They're just hunters. Hungry. That's what they do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and so I I really and very like that. smart too. Actually, they're they're pointed out as being very smart. I think. Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, so just all kind of awesomeness there. I don't think I've actually seen a whole Jurassic Park movie. I think that just occurred to me. Oh, that's fair. I've seen most of the first one. Like, I, I yeah, I think a lot of the first one you'd love. I also think that it's a lot about killing animals in ways that you would utterly hate. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last one, there's kind of a funny story with this. Um, I think we've mentioned a couple times how much we like the TV show Warrior. We did an episode, actually, about the Warrior and the, the idea of the Mafia. That's one of maybe three episodes about the TV show Warrior that we've wanted to do for a while. And the first one actually came up, I think, uh, I don't remember, was if this email was the reason you decided to watch Warrior? Or... No. No, okay, I think you, you that's it. I, I you... posted about it, and then I think that's when, when we got... We were right. talking about going to do an episode, I think, and then this came from that. Right. And so so one of our listeners wrote in with a, a really great question about, about the TV show Warrior. Um, and we were thinking about how to address it. And we decided to actually record a whole episode on uh, 
in the TV show Warrior, this concept of borders and like and nationalities and all kind of things like that, and, and basing it off of Warrior and then connecting it to other things. And I feel like we never really felt like we got our arms around that episode in the way we wanted to. It didn't really. Uh, I, I sort of felt like in some ways I wasn't the best place to to be talking about that experience, especially because so much is a show about uh, Asian American experience. But also, I just feel like there's a number of ways in which we it, it didn't do quite what we wanted to. Which was too bad because at the end of it, we did get into a long response to this person's email, uh, which was, I think, really powerful and emotional. And, you know, I, I didn't want to just like cut and paste that. So I, I want to give us another chance to respond to, to this email. You know, and I keep not saying that person's name because it's Kamal Moisey, the person who wrote the first email about colonization. Uh, so, Kamal, you're definitely winning our award this week for uh, 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 best listener feedback. Uh, not even best, but most. Most? Yeah, most. And, most uh, quality uh, entries into the listener feedback arena. Exactly. I love all the stuff people are sending in. Thank you all so much for it. But, but Kamal, I just want to point out, like, there's two really great thought-provoking things you sent in. So, please keep listening and please keep uh, poking at us. Uh, although, I'll warn you, you keep sending in really well-rationed thoughts like this. I'm going to have to invite you on as a guest at some point <laughs> soon. So, uh, be careful. Um <laughs> So, and I think to start with this, we have to really kind of frame it in the conversation about the TV show Warrior. So again, this is going to have massive spoilers. We're going to spoil a major event that happens towards the end of season two. That's, I think, kind of a defining moment in the plot of the whole show, but especially of uh, season two. And and basically the whole show has been about um, the tensions between the Chinese American, or the Chinese community in America. I don't really know if we can even call them Chinese Americans yet because the, I mean America wasn't calling them that. But. Exactly. Yeah, the, the white community is very much based on like send them home. They're not real Americans. They shouldn't be here, et cetera, et cetera. And there, there's a lot of tension that's been building and some small fights happening. The the white community, the racists are really kind of gaining a lot of power and like stirring up the mob. And the mostly to, Irish mob who are workers for you know, the in rich industrialists, basically, and politicians. Right, exactly. And there's some great conversation in the show about how the Irish themselves are immigrants coming from an awful situation where they were treated terribly by the English uh, and the potato famine genocide and things like that. But then they come here and the Irish are now being horrible to the Chinese. And uh, like the show, I think, does an interesting job of showing that connection without ever making it like, oh, the Irish were like oppressed by the English, so that makes it okay. Like, the Irish it's, are clearly yeah. the villains of this situation. Yeah. Um, and in the scene that, that happens, one of the characters who we've gotten to know, Jacob, uh, he's a, a Chinese person, but who kind of, like, is able to go between both worlds because he's the assistant to one of the white characters we know, and so he kind of spends time in, in both of those worlds, and he's just really a, a wonderful character. And uh, there's no other way to put it, he literally gets lynched. He gets... Um, attacked and, um, you know, by a mob. They they think that he might be guilty of something, but they're they're pretty much just like grabbing any Chinese person who looks like they're suspicious. Uh, actually, no, I, I I'm getting the details wrong. He is a he's he's arrested by the police, and uh, but it's on kind of like trumped up charges. The police really probably don't have the right man. They're not sure, but the white crowd comes around. Uh, especially because the courts have recently like been a little bit sympathetic to the Chinese people and the the crowd, again, exactly the way often happened in lynchings, basically demands and fights the police to step back, let the crowd in to drag him out of the police car and hang him. Uh, I, I think I have the, the, the I know you were trying to interrupt at one point. I was kind of on a roll, but any major details I missed there. 
Yeah, so um, he, I guess spoilers, right? Full spoilers right. for what's going on. He kills the mayor. He doesn't murder the mayor. The mayor is attempting to kill the mayor's wife, who Jacob right, works yeah. for. And yeah. so in defense of her, he hits the mayor over the head with like a fire poker or something, and the mayor dies. So he kills him, not murder, right? right. Defense. Um, then he runs away. Um, he gets captured by the police and then the Irish mob is like, no, hand him over to us. And they're like, well, we've arrested him. And they're like, no, hand him over to us. And they actually, the, the, you know, the Irish mob and the police get in a fight, but the police don't use their guns because they're like, they literally say, I think no need to kill any of our own or something like yeah. that. Um, and then the, the mob wins cause they're a mob. Um, of a lot of people, and then they um, lynch Jacob, yeah, in in very graphic fashion. Yeah, and and I think and that's a big part of what this email is about. So let me let me get to the email. Yeah. So Kamal writes. So we get to the point where a white mob hangs a quote unquote guilty Asian man, and a riot ensues. Glossing over how the elites pit the poor's against each other for profit, which is another really important part of the show, and how I have no idea how to phrase this as a question. <laughs> As a martial arts fan, I recommended, I recommended this show to two of my friends. I'm black, one of my friends is black, and the other is from Hong Kong. My black friend and I had a much more visceral reaction to the hanging than my Asian friend did. Granted, no one's a monolith, and people have different tolerances and empathies, etc. Can you talk about how that part of the storyline affected you, if at all? So, I, I really love this email. I think this is, you know, I think... Kamal, you're highlighting kind of as you did with the other thing, like the ways in which these stories hit people from very different perspectives because I, I, I had a very visceral reaction to it. I was horrified by it. I was upset by it. I've never had to think that I was going to be lynched. I have never had a thought that, you know, someone like me is going to be uh, attacked because of, you know, the color of my skin. My sexuality and my gender orientation is is... There's some of that, to be sure, especially now that I've started wearing, like, nail polish more often and makeup more often. Like, I, I've had times where I've been in uh, uh, gas stations in, in rural America, and I've definitely felt nervous. And I've thought, in those moments, like, moments of, like, gay bashing attacks and stuff have definitely come to me. But I don't think I have any kind of the, the, the visceral experience on that level. Um, though I certainly had an incredibly visceral experience to it and, and was very upset by it, ways I think we'll talk about. But I think there are definitely I think ways in which it didn't hit me in ways that I can very much understand why it would hit someone uh, either a black person or, or or someone from Hong Kong or the like Paul I know that you also had very you're you're closer to some of these issues in, in a lot of ways what what was your reaction to that to that scene uh it, it I mean it, it was hard to watch like yeah. it um I had a, a I, I think visceral is a good word for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, yeah, like different people respond to different things in fiction differently. I, I had, you know, throughout that whole sort of coming to that point, I felt like that was just definitely what was going to happen. Um, and like, I mean, I felt like they were going to find him guilty anyway and then hang him. But, right. um, but you know, seeing that, it, it, it did have you know, resonance in terms of thinking about, um, you know, similar murders of, of, you know, especially of black people in, mm -hmm. in the South, but even in, in the last number of years, you know, there've been incidents and incidents. It's, there've been murders, yeah. you know, I, 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 I hate euphemism 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I feel that, um, you know, it, it struck me kind of the comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't see myself there, right. but like I saw my family, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, in terms of like what's going on in the world right now, like I, I saw this during, you know, there had been just a number of, of attacks on, on Asian Americans in San Francisco and Oakland. And my, you know, my wife is Chinese American, her family's Chinese, Chinese American. And, um, actually this morning I was, I was watching something that had a picture of, it had a picture of, of a Chinese woman in like 18, I think 1882 when the Chinese exclusion act was passed. Mm Mm-hmm. And she looks so much like my wife's grandmother. Like, Ooh. there's this, this picture that she has that... And I was just like, wow. Um, and the people that came over then were mostly um, from Toysan, which, which is where she comes from. Um, and so, like, you know, a lot of times, at, you know, I see things and people say, oh, well, you can't really relate to something if you don't have kind of a personal stake in it and, and um, like deaths in fiction actually affect me very strongly in general. Like yeah. I rage quit shows all the time. Cause I'm just like, Nope. Yeah. You know, um, I, I rage quit the show after that moment until you right. and I talked more and you like kind of convinced me to watch the rest of the episode in the last episode. Yeah. And, and like with this show, I, I do have a lot of feelings of like, there's, there's so much racism, so much racist violence, so much racist language in it, as well as, you know, your 1800s share of misogyny as well, um, that it's it's hard to watch. And I could understand that there might be people who are like, yeah, that's just like, that's not what I want to watch. Like, yeah. I, I watched it alone, you know, because I, I, I told Lee, I was like, look, like they say a lot of words a lot of times and you know there's a lot of racist violence and like i don't you should know that yeah if you want to watch this right that that's going to be there and she's like i don't think right now you know yeah. like where we worry about taking her mom into the city because like people are being attacked you know mm-hmm. and even if like statistically yeah it's probably not that likely like any given individual but it's like I, I do feel like it probably affects me differently because because I see my family in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it were someone whose story didn't feel as directly connected, maybe it wouldn't resonate to the same extent. I don't know. But again, it's like that's just that's just personal, right? Like you, you never know um, how a particular per- thing is going to affect a particular person. Um, and I'm I'm getting somewhat choked up now. <laughs> But not not as much as the first time we recorded this. <laughs> yeah, I think you I, and I were both in tears by the end of the time. Yeah, we for about sure, it. for sure. Like we had like a there was like five to ten minutes when I was just like, I'm not going to be able to say anything coherent right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like seeing seeing something like that, and to me, it, it was so powerful because it was real. You know, it's like yeah. this exact incident didn't happen, but this kind of thing happened all the time in that time period. And that's a time period that we don't 
have a lot of access to in fiction and maybe that's a weird way to put it but like i feel like there's a lot of periods of time that we can kind of see on the screen and be like oh that's kind of what it was like then and maybe some of them are shitty depictions that aren't at all realistic and like this is a very stylized you know kind of kung fu epic you know it's got a little bit of a sort of a legendary feel to it as opposed to just like pure gritty realness but like I don't know. I, I hadn't, I didn't know as much about like the page act and the, you know, the Chinese exclusion act and all these things before watching the series. And it got me to, and I think that's good. I think having, seeing something and being affected by it and, and thus giving more thought to something, you know, horrible from history, but then thinking about the present and, See, I I don't know. I guess just seeing the present and seeing the present is pretty fucking horrible too. But like, um, I don't know. Uh, somewhere there was something good in there. What was good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the sort of thing though where I feel like the third time you tell a story set in this time, like mm-hmm. it probably shouldn't be as graphic. Right. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about like showing certain kinds of traumatic images and like not yeah. not overdoing that. But at the same time, I think the first time someone sees something, it it can have an effect. And I think it can have an effect on people who don't have, you know, Chinese-American in-laws, right? And who, mm-hmm. who don't, um, you know, who, who aren't black or, but it, any, I don't know. I feel like it affected me. I don't know exactly if that's the only reason it affected me. I'm pretty sure that's not the only reason, but that, that magnified it for yeah. me, for sure. I think there's so much that you're getting at there that's so important. And I want to get back to what you're saying about um, the way these things can hit us in terms of like our own personal connection to them. Um, like as we were talking about it, I was thinking more and more about how anti-trans violence has been something that, you know, I mean, all these kind of things are horrible, but like, especially in the last couple of years, there've been a, a number of, of instances, particularly of trans women, especially sex workers and trans women of color uh, being killed in brutal ways that have always just, I think, even before I really came out to myself about being non-binary and transgender um, really bothered me, I think probably because I felt felt a connection there. Mm. But I wanted to start by what you're saying there about the that kind of hard balance of like, you know, when is showing something so much that it's becoming exploitative or even like torture porn, which, mm. <clears throat> to be fair, I think there's other parts of Warrior that definitely fall into the torture porn category. It doesn't ever reach Game of Thrones level, but like there's some aspect of it. This scene, I feel like, and again, I'm not someone who grew up with the fear of this happening to me or the knowledge that it happened to people like me. So maybe I'm not, I can very much understand someone looking at this and being like, that was too graphic. No one should show that in television. But I also know that it did hit me incredibly hard because it was graphic. And because, of course, like I was looking at it immediately thinking of Emmett Till. I was immediately thinking about the, the lynchings that have happened in, in our own culture, you know, in our parents' lifetimes. In our um, lifetimes, like five years ago or a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, no, very stuff. true. The thing, though, that came to mind, especially for me, though, as we're having this conversation about, like, you know, is it too much, but also the importance of showing it to begin with, is uh, in, in again, talking the context that I know best, in, in queer circles that I'm part of, where we're talking about, like, movies and things like that, we got to a point where people were very upset that every story about queer people, especially about gay men had to always include either someone being uh, attacked in a gay bashing or even more, there had to be a character who died of AIDS. And 
that there's sort of this, there was a push of like, we, can we stop telling gay tragedies? Can we have gay love stories? Can we have gay happy stories? Can we have stories about gay superheroes or gay bank robbers or gay whatever it is and not just always be about those things? And I think that's very true. I think it became an exploitative trope in that regard. But it's funny, I um, just, now I'm getting choked up. Just a couple of days ago, there was a, po- a picture that was posted as part of um, Pride celebrations and it was a choir, but most of the people in the choir were dressed all in black. A couple were dressed in, in I think, in white, maybe in lighter colors. And it was like maybe like six people out of like 100 people on the stage. And those six were the surviving members of the, I think it's the, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir from oh, wow. like the, um, the early 80s, I believe, because all the rest of them had died of AIDS. And it hit me so hard because one of the things that reminded me of was when I was 17, I first started to understand that I was bisexual. I went to gay community. I went to, you know, queer community meetings, gay lesbian community meetings and things like that. And one thing I was really struck by was that I was looking for role models. I was looking for men in their, you know, twenties, thirties and forties that I as a 17 year old could look up to and being struck by the fact that like almost all the people of that generation were women. And it's because it was because of HIV and AIDS and how much that that had just utterly devastated, you know, the uh, numerous generations of, yeah. of gay men and queer men uh, and, and, and queer people of all genders, but especially uh, of those, those uh, especially uh, queer men. And so, the, so to me, I, I think that that's kind of what I think about. And then I, I, to me. Like, I remember the first times I saw that portrayed in movies and how incredibly painful and devastating it was, but also necessary, you know? And I I can say that, like, so for that experience, I needed to see that in film, and I think a lot of other people did, but also that it became exploitative. And I, I... I can't claim to be an expert on like where is the line for that in terms of the the kind of attack that happens in this in 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 Warrior the lynching, and I'd be very curious to hear other people's perspectives on it because I don't I don't think it's easy to say where that line is but I but I just say like I feel like there's there's incredible power on both sides it can become exploitative it can become like a hard thing to show and that it becomes kind of torture porn but that like I think you're right I bet there I I went into watching Warrior knowing on an intellectual level that terrible things had happened to Chinese Americans in the 1800s. Yeah. But I'd never known the name of someone who had, who, who terrible thing happened to the way I know the name of like an Emmett Till. Right. And to see it in such graphic terms was painful and difficult, but made me a lot more aware of it. Made me want to go to Wikipedia and read more about it. Not that Wikipedia is by any means the expert, right. but you know, that, that at it's least a gets... place to get a taste of. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, and I have some, some books now on my audible shelf that I want to get to that go into more detail about that. And when I saw that scene, I wanted to quit watching the show because it was so upsetting to me. Also some stuff about kind of the way it narratively happened. Like, it felt like they kept giving you hope that he was actually going to live, but then yeah. taking it away. And I think, you know, and Kamal didn't say this, but I think it goes back to the, the point that Kamal said in the first thing. Like, real life doesn't follow the narrative patterns we want. It doesn't often make for a good story by any means. And what happened of the police thinking they were going to be okay and then realizing, like, the mob was there and the police making some attempt to fight the mob. But as you said, like, they weren't going to use guns. It wasn't, you know, they don't want to do it for their people to defend one of those people. Um, it is incredibly hard to watch 
And I think that I'm a better person for having watched it. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I I mean, I I, I feel gutted just like thinking about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the same way like it. And talking about like showing things or not showing things, it makes me think of Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. Um, which uh, I guess you know, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> there's a prominent murder assassination yeah. that takes place, and they do it off screen in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's deliberate. I think that's very deliberate. Yeah. But, you know, I think we've seen so many stories of racist violence against black people in this country that it's like, maybe like it's enough, you know, yeah. and, and stories like stories on the news also. Right. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, I feel like sometimes you need to tell the story in its brutal, naked absolute awfulness right and then sometimes you don't tell the story that way and, like and don't make clear, that every when you, story when you say it's enough you don't mean that like we should stop telling stories about oh right, oh right. hell no yeah oh, I, hell I, no. I knew that i just want to be very clear because yeah. no know. thank you for the clarification yeah no 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 i mean first of all i think i really enjoyed judas and the black messiah messiah yeah. and i i would recommend it to people um but and i think it's a story that absolutely needs to be tell, told and i don't think had been told that way to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think there's tons more stories that need to be told. I would I would like to, you know, if, if we look at the 1880s California, you know, 1870s, whatever, like, I think there's tons of stories you can tell in that timeline. Right. Um, I, I don't think they all need to have a graphically shown lynching. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, there, are, there are characters in... Uh, the, the TV show Warrior who get to kind of ride off and and have their own saloon and they have some hard times but right. they basically get to have kind of a a happy experience of being yeah. uh, uh, uh that's even overstating it but they get to have a more positive experience of being a Chinese person in America and like I'd love mm-hmm. to have a TV show just about that you know oh yeah no um, that that a hundred percent that's the number one spinoff yeah from <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, a Sam and um uh what's his name Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a great team up would be fantastic. <laughs> that, that would be but great. but yeah, I, I think that's the thing is I think that like, you know, when every story about gay people involved the the queer bashing or the death from AIDS, it it just it dram- dramatically limited those experiences. Yeah. But those things are also all part of the, the experience, and that's why it's necessary. And I think that that's kind of true here. And you know, and here I don't I don't know how you can do this for fiction. I don't know if you can because I I, I do think also that there's an extent to which like. Different audiences need to see think need to see different things, and what I'm thinking here in part of is, for a while, as part of the like Black Lives Matter movement, especially as like white people trying to to be supportive of that, you had a habit of like, and I certainly was a part of this, of like you know any news story about a a black person or a person of color being the victim of police violence, which there are just so many, you know, splash that on the news. Make sure it's in front of every white person you can think of. Make sure it's in front of every person you can think of. Put it all over your Twitter feed. Put it all over your Facebook feed. Many times those stories included, you know, graphic, horrible, terrible to watch police videos or, you know, pictures of, you know, um, uh, Michael Brown's body lying dead on the ground or whatever it is. And, I think that my understanding of the of the need for that movement was deepened by seeing those pictures. And I think it was important for me to see those pictures. I also know that more recently that there's been a real pushback of saying like, hey, listen, 
white folk, every time you put those pictures on your Twitter feed for your like attempt, you know, there's one person who basically made a great TikTok about this who was like, listen, like, remember that every time you're doing that, you are re-traumatizing people of color on your feed. And she be, she was speaking very like frank and harsh terms, but I understand where she was coming from. It was like, I don't understand why you white people need to see our dead bodies in order to understand that we should be alive, but don't shove them in our faces either. Yeah. And you should get a point. And I'm like, it shouldn't have taken those pictures to help me understand just how deep it was. But also, you know, and, and like one thing I've started seeing more often is people posting things like, hey, listen, this terrible thing happened. White friends, if you like, this is a video that you probably need to see. Uh, anyone else, if you don't, or, you know, maybe not in those, those stark terms, but basically saying sure. like, look, here's a video. And, and if you're white, you probably, it, it may be really hard to watch this. And maybe that's an uncomfort you need to go through. Maybe you don't. But, but if you're a person of color, like, please, I'm, I'm putting this here to kind of protect you from that. And I'm, what I'm talking about here, I think, is such a more complicated issue, and I'm probably explaining it very badly. But I, I get that, because honestly, I, I don't feel like I need those videos or those pictures anymore. But every time a story comes out, I watch them, and it's uncomfortable. Mm. And there's a part of me that feels like, until that problem is fixed, and it's probably never going to be in my lifetime, but in... I don't feel like it's ever okay for me to get to a point where I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to stop watching those videos because they're uncomfortable. Cause I want to keep, and even as I talk about it, like there's such a, like, I don't want to sound like a martyr or some bullshit like that. Or cause the traumatization porn is such a thing. And I think mm-hmm. it's definitely easy to be like, Oh, well, I watched the video. I sat with the uncomfort. Like, no, fuck that. You got to go out and do something. You got to, you got to translate that into action. But all this is a very different topic, but I think it's just kind of getting this idea of, I think media like that is going to be seen differently by different people. And I think yeah. these conversations are important. And I'm, I'm so glad, Kamal, you wrote in. I'm so glad that other people wrote in about that show because, you know, Paul, even as we talked about, you're in my experiences of it were so different. And I think my experience of it's powerful and important. And I learn more by hearing your experience. I learn more by hearing Kamal talk about it. I learn more by hearing anyone else talk about it. I just said yeah. eight totally different th- unrelated things. So go ahead and pick whatever the hell you want to respond to. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, oh, it's a lot of things. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying about, about all those. And it's, there's a lot of things that are connected. I mean, I, I, there's some things that I feel like just a person should probably see one time and mm-hmm. then understand that that's part of the world. Yeah. And then, Maybe you don't have to see it again that way. Maybe some people do have to see things a number of times. Um, you know, if I watch the show again, I might not be looking at the screen when that happens. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily need to to sit with the images again to really understand, um, you know, the shit that's going on and the shit that's gone on. Yeah. But I, I do feel like it, it made it like real for me in another way kind of Mm -hmm. and you know the i don't know i don't know it's just it it kind of circles back to the you know what i i don't know if i said it today or some other time but just like i feel like we need more stories told by more people yeah that more people can access and it's not like particular stories need to be for certain groups of people but like Certain stories, the way that they're told, are are just going to hit different people differently. And so, like, the more voices that kind of 
have room to express themselves and be heard. And, you know, we can kind of find what, what is like what we need to watch, right. I think, you know, and, um, Warriors an interesting show. Cause like the first episode, the first 10 minutes, I was not sure whether I liked it or hated it. Yeah. That's fair. You know, and I ended up loving it with, you know, with some reservations, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, one last thing I'll, I'll say about Jacob is like, they don't kill a lot of name characters in that show. Right. They kill a lot of red shirts, you know, like there's a lot of extras who are like, Oh, well we don't know who that is. So they're probably going to get killed. (laughs) But but like when, you know, he was one of the few named characters that they killed. And, uh, you know, I think it adds a little bit of weight that way, even though it's an extremely bloody show, you know, the fact that this is, you know, this one character that, He's kind of also unique within the story, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of the only, um, <clears throat> you know, Chinese character that we see interacting mostly with, like, the white folks. Right. And, um, you know, it doesn't work out too well for him. But... Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's, in some ways, that's one of the things that makes it so painful is it does feel like he's being punished because he was, like, he didn't just stick to his own kind or something like that. Like, not, not that I think yeah. that the... The people who kill him, like, they don't even know that and they don't care. Right. But that, no, that, that but... seems almost kind of like the perspective of the story in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the harm that potentially comes to some of the other characters is usually with their their contacts with, you know, right. I mean, like Assam, like, gets arrested because he's trying to help the same person. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it is such an intense topic and it's. It's funny also because one of the examples that I just wanted to bring up as I think another thing like like the kind of Fred Hampton movie you mentioned where and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I think a great example of another place where someone has said, look, there's a kind of dynamic that needs to the story needs to keep being told, but we don't need to keep putting it on screen, especially in exploitative ways. Mm. And that's Birds of Prey with the topic of like sexual and, and other kind of violence towards women yeah. where. Uh, you know, and I, I've talked about this at length. I'll just kind of very quickly summarize it here. But like, there's two instances where men are attacking women in in horrible, and in one case, very kind of like clearly sexual ways, and the camera turns away so that you are clearly aware of just how horrible this is. But like, uh, small spoilers for Birds of Prey. Like, there's literally a moment where the the villain like forces uh, a woman to to strip. And the camera turns away just as she does so that you see, like, the dress starting to come off. You see the horrified and, like, upset look on her face. But you never actually see her body without the dress on, which happens so often. And, and frankly, like, you know, one of the things I disliked most about Warrior is they did that. Like, there's a scene yeah. where there's horrible violence happening to women. And it's done in that very, like, Game of Thrones, like, kind of erot—not that they're, like, eroticized, but definitely, like, oh— you know, how horrible it is that this naked woman and let's have the camera focus on her nudity kind of a thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's just kind of a like, I'm not saying that like, oh, Warrior's terrible, but it's like, yeah, even within the same show, I think it's really telling that on some issues they can be really doing these things in powerful ways and and, and other ways it feels, you know, and and maybe it's, I mean, maybe you could say like they're doing the same thing with, with both of those two things, but because the, 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 yeah, take context. That I think no, that, that makes sense. I think. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think they're doing something similar. Yeah, it's the, the, but the context of how those stories are told is so different, especially because one of them we've seen all the time, and the other we haven't. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, I think I think that's about all we can say on that. Um, Paul, you have any last thoughts? But I would just say, Kamal, uh, again, thank you so much for both of those, um, but especially this one because it it, it was funny because uh, I I didn't read Kamal's email until I'd finished the show. I know Paul, you had, and yeah. so I was. I think actually I said to Paul something like, "Well, I don't know if I want to watch the show anymore. I'm so upset about what just happened." But I also know we got listener feedback about the show, and I think I literally asked you. Do I need to keep watching in order to get to the thing that the listener feedback is about? Right. And you were like, well, come to think of it. Like, Technically, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, Kamal, you, you hit on the thing that we most wanted to talk about anyway. So, so well done and thank you. For sure. Um, uh, that That's the last of our feedback. Paul, do you have any kind of last kind of wrap-up comments about uh, anything yeah. specific? Or? So, I do have an issue with one thing Kamal said. It's a very nitty issue um, that is mostly raised for comedy. But... Uh, I'm going to quote from the first one about Invincible. Um, How are U.S. sports teams world champions in a sport no one else plays? Touche. But (laughs) I feel like this this neglects to uh, respect the world championships of... The Toronto Blue Jays. This is so true. This is true. I just and and I guess I guess the Raptors, right? Is the NBA considered the world championship, or is it just the NBA champion? Is um, that only baseball? That's like this is the World Series, almost entirely played inside <laughs> the United States, except occasionally Canada. I mean, because uh, the because the Olympics now has basketball as an Olympic sport, and there are like uh, world championships. I mean, heck, there isn't yeah, even yeah. like a baseball World Cup. Uh, right, but I well, think there that, is literally. Yeah, I, I think right, they, the they, World Baseball Classic. No. Yeah, I think they, I don't think they've had that for a while though. Um, but but I, I certainly I I haven't watched much sports because I'm not going to watch Plague Ball uh, when it's like safe <laughs> to watch again. I, I've started paying attention to baseball again. I don't feel great about it, but uh, you know I. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, what the hell's that that pitcher's name? Yeah, 2013 was discounted. Okay, 2011 was the last one. I haven't followed baseball since 2011 because I was angry about. Something yeah. that then doesn't look as good in retrospect, <laughs> but whatever. We're exactly. moving on. Exactly. But yeah, I, I, I think they probably do still use those terms. And yeah, I, I, when, when I, when I was reading that email, I was like, well, it's not, it's not just the U.S. But yeah, the, the idea. It's was, an excellent point, but <laughs> technically, <laughs> you know. And I want to make a comment about how well, basically Canada is kind of like America with better comedians and better healthcare. But then we're gonna get a whole bunch of angry emails from people throwing maple syrup at us and just you know all sorts of. Oh oh wow, oh you went there. You went there. in a show where we're showing respect to Kim's convenience. Now we end up with throwing maple syrup as hey, a listen. Listen, the, the, the Canadian TV. Uh, Kim's Convenience was definitely very good. Um, I don't know if you've Schitt's seen it Creek. yet, but Shit's oh, yeah. Creek is not really superhero related, but honestly, <laughs> one of the best TV shows that I've ever seen. Also Canadian. Uh, Battlestar Galactica was shot, I think, mostly in, in Vancouver and had an awful lot of Canadian actors. Oh, a lot so. of shows are shot largely in yeah. Vancouver, yeah. So, And their maple syrup is better than ours, so, you know, throw it away. Throw, throw it at us. I mean, go ahead and throw it away. Throw this, away. Okay, like, I'm yeah. going to tell a very brief baseball story of the last time I think I went to a baseball game with Matthew. It was. I apologize. A's now we're now in, we're coming up on hour three. We've been going for a while. We're no, 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 no. This is going to be ten seconds. Go for it. It was the playoffs. The A's were playing the Yankees. The A's were winning. We were at Yankee Stadium, rooting rather loudly for the A's, particularly Matthew. He was very. Uh, into it we are baseball um, fans and thus don't like the yankees go on some fa- yes <laughs> some fans started throwing peanuts at us from behind um i realized that these were shelled peanuts or <laughs> peanuts in the shell and i was like oh 
I'm just going to eat these. Thanks for the peanuts. <laughs> they stopped throwing the peanuts. That was a beautiful moment. Um, and I think on that uh, lovely tangent, we can call this call this over. Um. <laughs> I was also going to bring up that we keep using the term blind spot. And I'm not sure if that's no. offensive or not. Yeah, that's... But I thought I would name that. No, that's a and, fair point and one that I, I appreciate you bringing up. Yeah, it's... And if it is and anybody has any comments on that, I would enjoy that feedback as well. You know, I mean, I think that's a whole other episode Episode we can do at some point because it certainly comes up in these stories and it comes up as we talk about them. I don't know if this is unique to English or if this is just a part of humanity, but, like, most of our language that talks about things in negative ways does so by comparing it to other things that we think are negative that are pretty, like, kind of terrible when you think about, like, you know, like the 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 terms that, that are used for, you know, like being cheated economically are anti-Semitic or anti-Romani right. or, like, you know, the yeah. all the many terms that we use for people who we think are not acting in intelligent ways are actually, like, you know, pretty offensive to uh, people mm-hmm. with developmental disabilities. And you're right. Yeah, we use... Um, A like, lot of ableists, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm... It's something I should definitely think about more because I'm often like pointing people out, like, "Hey, can you not use the word lame?" But my talk about like you know people being blinded by things is probably just as bad. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Okay, so I think on that note, I will start us to wrap us up. Thank you all, uh, listeners. Thank you so much. Obviously, this is all driven by your feedback, and would love your feedback on our feedback. Uh, a lot of times we will just kind of work something right into an episode, but here we just had a number of ones that we wanted to get into a real discussion of. So thank you all so much. Please keep the feedback coming. You can find us on. Facebook or Twitter at The Ethical Panda. Uh, there are pages for Superhero Ethics and Snow Wars Universe podcast, but they both kind of point you back towards The Ethical Panda. That's the main place I'm doing stuff. Um, you can also email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. Another way to find me recently is uh, under Twitch TV, twitch.tv, uh, The Ethical Panda. I've been doing streams where I'm learning how to play uh, Pot Limit Omaha Poker. I've been a decent poker player for uh, quite a while. Um, made my living at it for a short period of time. I'm not really that good. Anymore. I was never that good. I was able to kind of exploit some things. But um, I'm trying to get better, largely with Paul's help. Uh, and so I'm doing pot, I'm doing streams where I'm playing poker, talking somewhat about poker, but also talking about, you know, these kind of issues. Like last night I did one on Loki and time travel. I did one before about um, uh, some Star Wars stuff. So it's always fun to check out. I'm trying to do it uh, on... Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights, starting at 9.30 uh, Central Time. I'm by no means always doing it at the same time. But, you know, if you're on Twitch TV, uh, check it out. If you give a follow to The Ethical Panda, that'd be great. You'll get notifications when I go live, but also just it helps me, helps get my numbers up. Uh, But more than anything, what I would do is support the person who's teaching me how to do these things on Twitch. Um, Paul, uh, talk about... That's me. Yeah. What what are you doing on Twitch TV these days? At the moment, at twitch.tv slash zenmadman, I am streaming poker every morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon central. Um, If you could give a follow, it would be greatly appreciated. You can also turn off notifications if poker isn't quite your jam, but you can also tweet at me, um, uh, you know, zenmadman on the Twitter, and uh, suggest streams that you would like to see. I'm open to doing all sorts of different streams. In the past, I've done... A lot of chess and Duolingo and, uh, you know, maybe I could be persuaded to rant about whatever, <laughs> you know, show I may or may not have watched recently. It is very hard to find a way to get Paul talking about things, but if you do, it's definitely a rewarding experience. So. <laughs> it's definitely a long experience. <laughs> yes. Say it's two hours later as Paul and I are supposed to now start uh, 
my next poker lesson and we're both kind of punch drunk so we'll see how that goes but anyway thank you so much for being great fans um i didn't know if i could do feedback episodes when i got started the fact that we have this much feedback uh and, and frankly we've gotten so much other great feedback over the months and years you fans are, you, you make this worthwhile like it is a lot of work doing this it's a lot of fun paul and i love talking about this but you know i could do this without to talk to paul about it without editing it all the time and <laughs> but it makes it worth it because i love the feedback we're getting i love that we're having an impact i love that you all are having an impact on us and giving us new things to think about and challenging us to think about it in new ways uh, giving us new things to think about. I'm super excited to see insurance adjusters in a super superhero world. That sounds so much fun. So thank you all. Check out my other podcast, Star Wars Universe Podcast. Check out all the other great podcasts about MCU stuff, Star Trek, uh, all sorts of great things on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. And most importantly, if you want to, have a great day. <laughs>